and I am so stoked. I'm kind of saddened that we're going to finish it. But nonetheless, we are at the end of Jude. I, I didn't get to finish the text that I had planned on finishing last week because I can get long-winded. And, and you got you to forgive me. You guys didn't know, but I had a blood clot going on that day. And... Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, be that as it may, be patient with me. Feel sorry for me or something. I don't know. But I didn't get to finish, man. And, uh, and then I pick up where we left off last week. We have a lot to read. We have a lot to cover. Um, but as I read through this, and I, I, again, man, you got to be very patient with my reading because I'm not all that great of a reader. But um, <clears throat> as we read this letter for the last time as a church, for this time in our lives. Let the Lord speak to your heart in this letter. See see the heart of Jude here as as we read through it. Uh, Be encouraged with what he encourages us with. Uh, Be warned with what he warns us with. And receive the promise that he gives us at the end of this book. Again, and then at the end today, man, uh, we're going to just just spend some time in communion. And my heart is that we can just flow right into communion. And, and you'll get, hopefully you'll get the just as we read the last two verses here. So Jude, verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, sanctified. By God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints." For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards, destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh reject authority speak evil of dignitaries yet michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, these, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. uh, While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the wind, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of the saints to execute judgment on all 
to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ how they told you that you that there would be mockers in the last time who will walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion, power both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Man, is that a powerful letter? That is intense. All the way through. If you have been with us going through the book of Jude and if you haven't, you can go back on the internet and, and listen to all ten of them. But it has been a powerful, powerful letter in how he, he, he just kind of gives us everything we need as Christians to be aware. But there was some encouragement and there's some promises throughout the whole thing. And we need to have all of those things encompassing us <laughs> as we read through this letter. To sum up what we covered last week before we get into verses 22 and 23 that we didn't get to finish last week, I shared with you that if we are ever going to be selfish as Christians, let us be selfish in verses 20 and 21. Let us be selfish in building ourselves up in Him. Let us be selfish in praying through Him. Let us be selfish in keeping ourselves in him and let us be selfish in looking for him because then and only then when we are going are, are we going to be able to help those around us whether they are our spouse our kids our families our relatives our, our, our jobs, our community, then and only then, if we are doing these things as Christians, are, are we going to be effective for, for, for the Lord and for His kingdom? We will be able to help people in the things of the Lord, in the things that are spiritual, because we are being built up, because we are praying, because we are keeping ourselves or abiding in His love, because we are looking for the promise of His soon return then and only then will we, will we be able to build up other people. Because there's no way that we can ever build up other people unless we ourselves are being built up first. We really shouldn't be or couldn't be really praying for people if we ourselves are not being prayed up in the Holy Spirit. We really can't really give that love of Christ to anybody else if we are not keeping ourselves in the love of Christ. And why in the world would we ever even tell people, hey, Jesus is coming soon, if we ourselves aren't looking forward to His soon return? You see, it all begins with us. Not to be, you know, so self-centered, but if we're going to be selfish, let us do these things so that we are equipped as believers to be able to be effective for Jesus outside. So continue 
my beloved, <laughs> continue to build, pray, abide, and look so that we can help others. And that leads us to these next two verses, verses 22 and 23 that we didn't get to last week. These next two verses, the, in, in these two verses, there's two schools of thought here. Some people think that Jude, <clears throat> as he got to hear, all of a sudden started talking about the non-believer and how we as believers are to reach the non-believers. Different, different places where they might be at and how we reach these non-believers. And, and, and that, could be, that, that, that could be true. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is that Jude is talking about believers here who have been swept away or swayed or influenced, if you will, by the apostates and have been so drawn away from the faith. And I'll tell you right now, that's, that's where I'm leaning and that's the way I'm going to teach it this morning. So if you want to the other school of thought, well, you're not going to get that right now. I just kind of threw that out there. But you can go on with your bad self and have that school of thought, and that's fine. And that is so fine with, with me. But I'm just leaning in this way, only because, and I'll tell you why, the context of this whole letter has been dealing with apostates and warning, and how they have crept in, and they have drawn away, and were trying to draw away people unto themselves. And so that's why I lean that way, and that's why I'm going to teach it that way. That, that he is, is looking at these kinds of people and saying, you know, these are, are, are people that the apostates came in and they, they caused confusion among the church. They caused doubt and division among the church. And I would say that, that it, it would be up to the believer himself the believer who is being built up and prayed up and, and, and abiding and looking to come alongside those who have been influenced and swayed and even swept away by the apostates to be able to come alongside and build them back up. He starts off by saying, On some have compassion, making a distinction but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. I want to read two other versions to you. My favorite, the Amplified, where it says in verse two, uh, 22, and refute so as to convict some who dispute with you, and on some have mercy who waver and doubt. Verse 23, to strive, Strive to save others, snatching them out of the fire. On others have pity, but with fear, loathing even the garment spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. That's the Amplified. The New American Standard Bible simply reads like this, and it puts it like this, very plain, plain very simple. Verse 22 and 23 says, And have mercy on some... Who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. Very plain and simple, all of it. I, I believe that Jude is talking about those <clears throat> who have been so badly damaged, if you will. They have been so badly damaged by these apostates, by these people who have crept into the church and, and, and began to lure them away onto their side. To, to, to begin to, to, to uh, the, 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 these, these believers have become disillusioned, if you will. They, they have become so bummed out because this person came in and drew them out and turned them against the church, basically. And so they have not just been disillusioned with the church, but somewhat, if not more what, <laughs> disillusioned with Jesus. Because they thought, man... Why would Jesus allow somebody like this to come in? 
Because now you're telling me that that person that I, I, I glommed onto that seemed so nice, that was, that was flattering me, that was doing all these things, how, how is it that they have been like trying to separate me from the rest of the body? Why would Jesus allow that? Well, again, we have been warned throughout his word, and we're being warned here that people like that will come in. Ever since the church started, Satan hates it. And so as soon as the truth comes out, the counterfeit's right behind there, ready to, to pounce and bring people out of the church, trying to, to disillusion them, trying to turn them back. You know, oftentimes, and again, man, we can, we can go on and talk about once saved, always saved, however that happens. You know, I'm not here to, 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 to do that. But I know from the... From, from the uh, um, the um, oh, it's a blood clot again. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't want to keep on scaring you guys. Um, what the, the parable? The parable of, of of the seed and the sower. You know that that some people receive the word, but they were really not born again. And he gives us these four scenarios, and the only one that was truly born again was the one that had fruit. Now, even when somebody is totally saved. Satan will come in and, 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 and lie to them, disillusion them, to, to, to turn them from Jesus. And he'll let you go to heaven, but if he can make you ineffective, he's going to do that. And if he can draw you away from fellowship and from moving forward, he will do that. And so I say that because he, he's saying, on some have compassion, making a distinction. I, I believe that he, he is talking... Uh, in these two verses, he's talking about some that some um, were disputing against the truth. Some were headed for destruction, even as Christians, and, and others were corrupting themselves with the same disillusionment that they had been disillusioned with. Still Christians, but they have just been lied to and they've bought into that lie. Now those who who were disputing against the truth. Because somebody came and pulled them away and the truth was presented to them again, they're like disputing, they're doubting it now. Whereas before they weren't doubting it, but, but somebody else has come in and, 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 and got this doubt in them and began to pull them away. And so these, these believers that have been somewhat um, disillusioned swept away by the lies of the apostates, all they need is to be convinced of the truth once again by giving them the word of God and what it says because we need to just have compassion on them because they, they've bought into it kind of, you know? And they just need to be encouraged to go back to the word of God, to go back and, 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 and learn from yourself or look to yourself. Look, look for yourself what, what the Word of God is saying and make the conclusion. They just need to be built up, encouraged. Now, those who are headed for destruction, and, and I would say pulling them out of the fire, those who, who, who are headed for destruction have, have bought into the lie. They, they've not just been swayed, they've even bought into it. They bought into what these apostates, these people were, were saying to them, and now they were walking with them. So much so that they need to be pulled out of the fire. They, they, they need to be awakened because they're headed for destruction in their Christian life. Not, I'm not talking about losing their salvation. I'm just saying they're headed for destruction in such a way that, that man, it's just not going to end well, really. <laughs> for your life and so you need to snatch them out and say hey wake up man look at what's going on in your life look at what's happened around you right now and and, and it reminded me of when lot had to be pulled out of sodom and gomorrah because it's like well geez you know he didn't know what to do and it's like but 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 and it's like no some you need to save out of the fire because they're headed in that direction. It's like, pull them out. And those who, who were corrupting themselves, and I would say these are the ones, and it kind of breaks it up a little bit different in, in the King James here, but the other ones 
um, kind of had it spelled out. But others save with fear, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. Those who are corrupting themselves need to be approached with caution. They have, they have not become apostates, but they're very much like apostates in that they are now spewing the same thing that the apostates were, were spewing. Those knew what they were doing, and they're not saved. But these, who you need to, to, to save with fear, it's, he, he, he means to be really careful. Be cautious in how you pull them and, and grab onto them, lest you yourself get contaminated like they've been contaminated. They've bought into the lie that it's, it's now permeated their life. And, and, and they're going in a direction that, that is not good. And I say it like that, that, that they've been contaminated or, or we can get contaminated because Satan is not above playing dirty. <laughs> he is not afraid to, to put or to contaminate believers, even the strongest of believers, to where they might feel like they're so strong, but he has done something in their life to contaminate them, to defile them, that they feel guilty, they feel bad for even trying to help somebody in that place, to where now they're getting pulled away, and now they're, they're like caught up, or they don't know which way to go. So any believer can get caught up in anything, because Satan will do anything to drag down anyone. You see, in, in, in Galatians 6.1, it tells us, brethren, if a brother is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Be careful. So, so we kind of look at, 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 at these two verses, and there's those who are, who, who, who are just not so much into it, but they're being swayed that those who are now beginning to walk with them and then there's those who have just bought in and, and, and gotten hooked, hook, line, and sinker all the way in. And we need to, as believers, be there to reach them. All of these are all of those who... We, we need to reach out to all of them to help those who have been swept away. And it says... That, that we are to, to hate even the garments defiled by the flesh. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament Jews, they were very, very careful to avoid ceremonial defilement. And this included even their clothing. Because if a clean person touched an unclean person or even an unclean garment, they themselves had become defiled. Now, we are to love God's people, but we are to hate the sin that they've gotten themselves in or been swept away by. And so we need to be careful that we don't become defiled by what they've been defiled with. Because whenever there is sin, Satan has a foothold. And he is no joke. And, and, and he will do, or he will go to work bringing, bringing disputes. He will go to work bringing destruction and corruption within the church. Now, even those who are trying to help, those who have been caught up in all that, can get caught up in the disputes. They can get caught up in the destruction that is, that is swirling around. They can get caught up even in the corruption. And so we need to be careful. Because defilement can and will spread rapidly and even secretively. <laughs> and it must be dealt with drastically. We need to be so careful like someone who, who would tear off a piece of garment that they have on, some clothing that has been contaminated by toxic material. <laughs> As soon as it's on, you want to take it off. See, that's how quick we need to deal with stuff at times. If, if a Jewish priest thought that his garments were defiled, that were in 
infected, especially by leprosy, which is often pictured as sin, he burned his garments. He wanted to get away from all that. Now, I know that not every, every Christian is equipped to deal with false teachers and or apostates. And I know that not every Christian is equipped to deal with some of those who have been influenced or swept away by them. And that's why I believe we have been covering the book of Jude so carefully. Because as I said in the beginning of this year, God is moving us forward. We, we will not be moved. We, we will stay on course. But there will be pressures from without and from within. And there was, there's going to be waves that hit this, this voyage that we're going on. And if we are not equipped, then we're going to get hurt. And I'm not just saying, hey, leave it up to the professionals. Call Pastor Gary or myself or my board. We'll deal with all this stuff. No, you yourself should be equipped to be able to handle these things. But if you are not, then go, don't go at it alone because you will get creamed. <laughs> By the enemy, because it's not really the person, the apostate himself. It's, it's behind that. It's the spiritual stuff that's going on that will drag you down because the enemy is conniving and he will do whatever it takes. If we as a church are going to stay the course and not be moved as individuals or as a church, we need to be equipped. To understand what we are up against. Because if you don't know what you're up against, you're going to be swept away. And that's why we have been taking our time through the book of Jude. And I believe because of the vision that we have for our church that will propel us for the next 20, 10, 20 years. That if we can be solid now, what happens in the future, we will stand strong. No matter what. No matter who tries to come against the church. It will take knowledge of the Word of God. It, it will take a faithful walk with Jesus. An understanding of Satan, Satan's devices and, and his schemes. And for sure, the, the fullness or, or being filled with the Holy Spirit to have this kind of equipment put on so that we can spiritually discern what is going on in our lives. I can't, I can't encourage you enough about being in the Word. I can't encourage you enough <laughs> to, to, to walk this, this walk that God has called you to. You see, it, it is better to equip you now that, 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 that you may be aware of these things and be kept away from these false teachers and these apostates that you could see them coming, then, then, then trying to snatch you out of the fires because you've gotten caught up in it. But you see, all I can do is teach it to you. I can, I, I, I can only warn you and equip you. It is up to you as the body of Christ to build yourself up in Him. It is up to you to pray through Him, to keep yourself in Him, and to look to Him or for Him. It is my job as your pastor to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. As much as I want to be in the mix with all you guys, man, it's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm there. Man. Give me a call. I'm night or day, man, we're ready. Call Gary, too. He likes, he likes this stuff, too. And we do. We, we, we love being involved. We really do. But I know that we cannot rescue everybody because you need to be equipped. And I think sometimes when you're going through it and you're going like, I don't know, it's like God's going, come on, man up. You knew this was coming. You deal with it. And you're going, but I have Pastor Zeke's cell phone number. <laughs> he likes this stuff. <laughs> but guess what? I had to grow just like you did. And I'm ready to go. We're ready to run. We're, we're ready to come to the rescue. But you know what? It's not about us. It's about you being equipped as a church. 
Because oftentimes these apostates, they're not going to come after me. <laughs> they're not going to come after Pastor Gary or my board. You know who they're going to come at? You. They're going to come after you, so you need to be equipped. So when they come to you, it's like, dang, man, these guys are all equipped. And then they go on with the bad self somewhere else. It is necessary that we all do our part. But here's the thing, and this is what I think is amazing. God himself has given us all that we need to do it. By giving us his Holy Spirit to be able to do these things that we have been studying and looking at. He has given us his Spirit. And Jesus said in John 15, 5, the last part, part B, it says, for without me you can do nothing. And I know that. And so I have to be in him. Because, because of that, because I know that I cannot do anything with, without him, because of that, I know that he has provided everything I need, everything we need, and we get to have his spirit within us. So it only stands to reason that if I can't do anything without him and I am in him, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul told the Philippians. So God is able if we are willing. And if we are willing, he is more than able. This is what Ephesians 3.20 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He is able. He is more than able. So in verses 24 and 25, I'm going to get giddy here as giddy as I can get. Because these two verses are off the hook. Totally, totally off the hook. They, they are mind-blowing if you truly, truly comprehend it and let it sink in. With all that we have read in the book of Jude, and he finishes it off this way with these two verses, it's like, What? Uh, it says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to, our, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. The word able in the Greek is dunamai, dunamai. means be able, can, could, may, might, be possible, be of power. Catch that last one, be of power. In other words, he has the power to keep us. He has that much power to keep us from stumbling. And that word in the Greek, duomai, is the same word we get our word dynamite from. That much power. He has that power. When I think of that God is able, most of the time, I am reminded of the verses that I just read to you in Ephesians chapter 3. That he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Man, he is able. And I know that. I often go to the spectacular, the, the amazing, the big, the, the epic, you know. It's like, he is able. Heck yes, he's able. He's able to do all those things. Because of what I've seen and what I've learned in the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament, all His works, all His works are marvelous. They are mind-blowing. But where I don't often go 
is right here in Jude. My bad. <laughs> and when I do go here, I often just quote the first part. Now to him who is able. And I just kind of stop right here, right there sometimes. But that is a true statement. Now to him who is able, fill in the blank. But, but the context of what Jude is saying is that God is able to keep them, to keep us, to keep me from stumbling, from slipping, from falling. He is able to do that. In other words, God is able to keep them, us, me, from sinning. What? See, we, we think like, no, God is able to do all these wonderful things. But when I turn to you and I say, no, but he's also able to help you not to sin. And you're going, well, yeah, yeah, I understand that. I know that. But we don't often believe that. You know why? Because we often refer to the, 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 the verse in Mark where it says, and you don't even know where it's at, but you use it all the time. Hey, the flesh is weak. Right? You, you, if I, if right now, most of you guys don't even know where to go. But you have probably used that verse, you know, because it's like, yeah, God is able, but man, my flesh is weak. And I don't know if he can deal with a weak flesh. <laughs> because I think we often think like, well, we, you know, the flesh is weak. I just can't help it. Nobody's perfect. But here's the first part of that verse, and you can mark it down so you can memorize it now. Mark 14.38. Mark 14.38. This is what the first part of that verse looks like and sounds like, but we often just quote the last few words. It says, watch and pray, <laughs> lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. See, it's easy to, to remember that part. <laughs> the flesh is weak because we think like, oh, I can't help it. My flesh is weak. But see, that first part, he says, no, you, you just watch and pray. See, when we're quoting the flesh is weak, more than often we are not watching and praying on a regular basis because the flesh is weak and we don't want to do that. That takes a lot of work. Lest you enter into temptation the Spirit indeed is willing. You see, the Spirit is always willing. When, when you quote, hey, the flesh is weak. Now you can't just like quote it without thinking that other part. Because the Spirit is always willing. Always. The Spirit is never not willing. Is that like a double negative Something I think I, I don't know if I messed that one up, but he's always not willing, which means he is always, indeed, all the time, forever, whatever else we can do in the positive, willing. He is so willing, even if your flesh is weak. He is so willing to keep you from sinning. You know why? Because he's able. He is so able to keep you from sinning. Think about those things in your life, those sins in your life that cause you to stumble, that cause you to slip, that cause you to fall. Hmm. In your Christian world, what, what, what are they? I mean, I don't want you to say them out loud right now, but what, what, what are those things that are like going through your little pea brain right now that, that is like, Man, I always mess up here, man. Whether it's anger or wh whether it's lust, pornography, whether it's it's it, it, it's it's bitterness, whether it's uh, what 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 else what else is, is is going through your little pea brain up there that that's just like consuming you all the time because you always slip, you always fall at this. And as much as you pray about it, it just seems like man, that just never works because I'm always in that same place. Is God not able? Is He not able to keep you from that sin? He is able. He is always able. He is always, keep, always willing to keep you from that sin. 
Because he is able. He is, he, he is so able. But are you willing? Are you willing to turn your back on that sin? Because he is able. You see, he is always able. If you're willing, he is always able. And I'm not saying, man, that you're not going to battle that continually. But if you're watching and praying, you will not enter into that temptation, as he said, because the Spirit is always willing, even though your flesh is weak. Because if you're willing, God is able. And then, and then on top of that, he is more than able. <laughs> He's more than able. I would bet that that sin that you thought about that was floating through your mind, I would bet that it starts off as a temptation first. Right? <laughs> You're probably going, no, I'll pass that. I'm not even tempted. I just go for it. Okay, it started as a temptation at one point. But even when you think like, I just can't help it, you always have that thought, should I or shouldn't I? That's the temptation. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it tells us that that is common to man. I'm just going to paraphrase it. The temptation is common to man, but God is able to make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. You know, I know oftentimes we use that verse as, you know, well, God won't give me more than I can handle. That, that's not what that verse is saying. He's saying he won't give you more temptation than, than you are able to bear because why? He has made a way of escape for it. He has always made a way of escape for temptation. And if we just take him, take him up on that way of escape, then we don't have to succumb to that temptation, to that sin. We don't have to do it. In other words, God has made it able for them, for us, for me, not to sin. Because he's made a way of escape. We, 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 we learned earlier in the book of Jude how, how God told Cain... That sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, we are able to shut the door on sin because God has made it able for sin to be at the door and not locked up in the room with us. <laughs> we have the opportunity to shut the door on sin. Whatever that sin is, any sin, any of it. <laughs> now we can say all day, all day long, the devil made me do it. <laughs> For you youngsters, that's Flip Wilson. I didn't do it just right, but the devil made me do it. Old Geraldine. And we could say that all day long and blame Satan for making me sin. But God has made it able to resist the devil, the Bible tells us, <laughs> and draw closer to him. Hence, he is able to keep us from stumbling, slipping, falling from whatever Satan throws at us. He is able. And then on top of that, and I better hurry, um, I will finish. It says, and to present you faultless. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So God is not only able to keep them, us, me, from stumbling, slipping, and falling, but he is also able to present us faultless and the word faultless means without blame without fault no spot nor no blemish the opposite of that would be pure he is able to present us pure if we turn that around 
Now, I know that this could, be, could seem so far-fetched <laughs> that we would ever be or could ever be faultless, even in the future sense, because we know us. You know, I guess we could probably comprehend it a little bit better when we get to glory and he presents us faultless and you're going, I don't know what I did. It was all Jesus. But this is what the cross is all about. Jesus was crucified on the cross because of my sins, my faults. Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, my faults. And he stayed on the cross to deliver us from our sins, our faults. And because he resurrected, <laughs> he now has power over all that sin, all that fault. And so he's able to present us faultless in his sight. When, when, when God looks at you as a Christian, you know he looks at you faultless already? And you're going, no! Maybe you, Zeke, because you have to suffer a blood clot and all that. Poor you. I'm going to milk it. You know I am. But not me. Not me, Zeke. You know, God does not look at me. You know, and through Jesus, he looks at you faultless. Today, right now. Right now. Is that ridiculous? Because, see, I don't look at you as faultless. <laughs> not from this vantage point right here. <laughs> But you see, he's not just talking in the future sense here. He's talking today. He's talking today. Because the righteousness of Christ has been put into our account as believers. And our sins, our faults have been put into his account. That's what it means to be justified. Just as if we had never sinned just as if we have never had any, any fault. And I love the fact that, that this goes right along with the husband, what the husband is supposed to do with the wife, which represents Christ and the bride in Ephesians 5.27, where he says to the husband that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, that is the way you're supposed to look at your wife. Perfect. Perfect for you. Without having any spot or wrinkle or blemish. But that she should be holy. In other words, just like Jesus overlooks your faults, you are to overlook your wife's faults. Well, I'm sure there's sometimes you've got to handle some issues. But by and large, <laughs> overlook. Overlook those faults. <laughs> That's what we're, as men, supposed to do for our wives. Okay? Wives, don't take advantage of it. <laughs> Before the presence of His glory. Again, this is not just speaking about the future when we do get to glory in heaven. But the Bible tells us that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ today here on earth and so we get to be all of those things and he says with exceeding joy and hebrews 12 2 says that for the joy that was set before him christ endured the cross despised the shame because we are that joy for him and so the result of the cross is exceeding joy so we when we look at all that Jude has been warning us about throughout this letter, with what is awaiting the apostates, the judgment, it's in stark contrast. There's a stark difference with what is awaiting the believer. And we get to experience all of this today, not just in the future. And in verse 25, to, our, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. You know, it's interesting because Jude really wanted to, to write a letter uh, uh, concerning our common salvation, but the Lord led him, led him to write a letter of warning to the church. But these two verses 
like he nails it, man. He like totally nails it with the essence of what and how we get to experience because of this common salvation that we have. Because we are saved. Because he has given us his word. He's, he's entrusted it to his saints. We get to experience all these things that we have just read about. I want to, not just here on earth, but for eternity. Jude, chapter, uh, Jude 24 and 25 in the Amplified. And then we'll enter into a time of communion. Now, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless before the presence of his glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable and ecstatic delight. Verse 25. To the only to the one only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, splendor, majesty, might, and dominion, and power, and authority before all time, and now, and forever, unto all the ages of eternity. Amen. So be it. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Guys, we're going to enter into a time of worship and praise, not just in song, but at the Lord's table. Worship team, come on up. We get to experience all of this because Jesus was willing to leave his place in heaven and bring salvation to man. This is why he is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Let us pray. And then you can come up, have communion. If you want to go grab your kids so you can have communion as a family, go and do it, okay? And just have an amazing time. We'll have about three songs, so just take your time. Worship. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this precious time with our brothers and sisters, Lord God. Be glorified, be lifted up, and be uh, just praised, Lord, by our lips. Lord, we thank you for the work of Jesus that he came and he died on the cross. And we get to remember that death, Lord God. And there was an exceeding joy. Father, we want to rejoice in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.